0: Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 167. Today, we're back with this month's edition of Making Good Book Club, and we are talking about 168 Hours. You Have More Time Than You Think by Laura Vanderkam. More about Book Club. So once per month, my amazing Book Club co-host, Sherelle Griffith and I, Discuss a book we think can help move the needle in your small business, and we will share our takeaways specifically for small businesses. As I mentioned, this month we discussed 168 Hours by Laura Vanderkam, and I'm so glad we did. This book is all about managing your time and specifically thinking about life as a series of 168-hour weeks in which we get to decide how to intentionally use these 168 hours. This book is not specifically a business book, but one in which there are tons of business related takeaways and life takeaways as well. In this book club episode, we talk about how to make the most of your 168 hours every week, the power of time tracking, the relationship between consistency and breakthroughs, core competencies, how to apply all of this to your small business, and much more. If you've ever had the thought, but I don't have enough time to dot, dot, dot in your business or in your life in general, this book is for you. Stay tuned through the end of the episode so that you don't miss the book that we announced is our pick for next month's edition of Making Good Book Club. Just a reminder that if you want the updates on Book Club, you can sign up to get notified at makinggoodpodcast.com slash book club. Okay, let's get into this month's book club episode about 168 hours.
1: Hey, Cheryl, welcome back to Making Good Book Club. Hey Lauren. Woo-hoo. I'm so ready for this one. I hope everyone is excited because this is so my type of book. <laughs> yes,
0: I know it is. This is like the kind of book that I think of you for. It's like regimented, <laughs> organized, planning. Okay, we're talking about 168 hours by Laura Vanderkam. And I think the subtitle is You Have More Time Than You Think. So that's kind of the, the premise of this book is. Basically time management, like you have 168 hours in a week. And what are you going to do with those hours? There, It's kind of the book is kind of a reaction to the conversation that we are all having all the time about like how we don't have enough time to do what oh, we yeah. want to do. And actually the book was I can't remember what year it came out, like, but at least 10 years ago. So it's not like it's not like it just came out,
1: but no. In 2011 conversation... for america was when it came out okay
0: yeah so i mean we'll get into it but there's a lot of conversation about tv and like the time we spent the time we waste watching tv <laughs> and very little about like this time we waste like on facebook and on our phones uh, yeah. and just like in the scroll and so i would be interested to hear like how things have
1: probably got even, gotten even worse in certain ways <laughs> um can, can i make one thing very clear if she yeah. made me do this last year and i'd had to write down how many hours i spent scrolling on tiktok i probably would oh not want to hand that in
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes i was thinking the whole time like oh my gosh we're not even talking about like phone time screen time mm. it's a lot of like tv but yeah so so the book is divided into four parts do you want to start by kind of kicking us off into part
1: one yeah and I think also just building on what you said about this idea of people not feeling like they have enough time just to give a bit of context was actually as part of doing this like Laura spent a lot of time getting people to actually log how they spend the 168 hours of the week and she's really I suppose quite a big advocate that like the week gives people this true perspective of actually how they're spending their time like if you look at a day like especially when we talk about like trying to find balance in our life the reality is like trying to get it on a day is probably not going to happen but this weak picture actually gives us a bit more of a true sense of how we can use our time in a way that really works for us so um yeah I definitely just think it's good to know because this is she did actually ask a lot of people to fill in these logs and that's what's like informed the conversations and the book that she's written off the back of it
0: and if anyone's brave give it a go <laughs> Yeah, the time tracking, I was like, "Mm -mm, no, (laughs) but I think just to piggyback onto what you're saying, she shows that when you actually do the exercise of writing like in like 10 minute or 20 minute increments, how you spend your time, you find that it's a lot different than what you would have guessed if you hadn't sat down to do the tracking. People are very, very bad at estimating how much time they spend doing things. We overestimate a lot how much time we spend working, actually. And we underestimate Mm -hmm. how much time we waste doing things like watching TV or whatever. We overestimate how much time we spend with our kids. Like, there's We are very bad at estimating our time. So that's one of the reasons why... this like time tracking process, even if you just do it for a week or two is like, I guess, apparently extremely illuminating. And I know you've done it, right? Yeah,
1: I've done it. So she has another book called, I know how she does it, which um, I read as part of my book club years ago. So I actually did when I originally read that book, sit down and do the log. And I think I did it for two weeks because that whole thing of like, well, this wasn't a typical week, which she talks about. (laughs) because you just don't believe it Mm -hmm. and actually right now I'm not time tracking um, everything but I'm really time tracking um, how I work in the day. Um, and you are so right about, we overestimate, like basically we overestimate the things that feel heavy and we underestimate the things that we love. And we're just like, Oh yeah, that thing I had to write, that's taking me hours and it doesn't, it's just, you feel like it. So yeah, time tracking, whether it's actually like, even as a business owner within the hours of in your day, I think it's a really useful exercise. And obviously when you do it for like the whole week, it just takes it to another level. Mm Mm-hmm. so her thing about getting the most out of your 168 hours is also very much about like discipline in a distracted world which when I read that quote I think it really sparked because of us obviously reading deep work and this idea that actually we just have a lot of distractions like there's a lot to go on and I quite liked when she started to really look at this idea of like how much time have you got and she's like actually if we think about it in terms of like if we're even getting eight hours of sleep, that's like 56 a week. And then she's like, so then even the people that say like, I work a 50 hour week, she's like, okay, cool. You don't, (laughs) but let's not even challenge that right now. Let's just let you believe that little scenario you're in. That still leaves you with 62 hours in a week. And I actually think like thinking about it in that way, is like very different because I think when you think of like the few hours you might have on a and like a work day it might feel as if like you don't really have that much time but obviously then lots of people like have a lot more time at the weekend for example that is just for them to do as they please so it's like again this is that thing about bringing it back to the um the whole week but yeah her thing in this definitely as well she really talks about how people claim to be overworked and starved time but actually it's just about not really being like intentional about what you do. And there's like, Two for me there's like two main things that come out of this chapter so there's one around this idea of like writing down a hundred dreams and this was an idea of like a hundred things that you want to do during your lifetime and so it's you know it's pretty much like the bucket list isn't it um i just like actually getting this out there and being like well these are things I want to actually achieve in my I'm um, like doing my life and getting them out and starting to see what could happen but also but the like other co- thing about it is they're not just big dreams like a bucket no, list was- like
0: it's like if you want to like have a candle on your desk while you work like (laughs) put that on your list like anything can be on your list right that's what I like
1: so much about it yeah no that's actually true and I think we can get obsessed sometimes with like the big things and forget yeah yeah some of the little things and also her thing as well was like you might have already achieved some of them and I think that's such a big thing it's like sometimes the things we really wanted at one stage we have them now and then we sort of like forget about it like so like one of the mm. reasons why I'm still like so I always say to people like I'm so happy about having my bookcase was that was something that was on my goals list for five years so I never want to take it for granted that like that was something I wanted to have in my life and now I have it and I think reminding Your yourself was, yeah so I used to if on my first uh zoom video I had one Billy bookcase so like an Ikea bookcase and I didn't even mm. have it wasn't even full of books and I dreamt I had this picture on Pinterest of having a wall-to-wall and that's what I have in my office now like water wall, bookcase, all Mm. literally like hardly any space left. Like I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm about to do, (laughs) but that was like, that's eight years in the making. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I always say to people, like when people are like, Oh, I love it. I'm like, I love it too. I like, it's been a work in progress to get it. And I do love it. And that's that thing. Like, I think we can all have something that, we used to write down as a goal as something we really wanted. And then once we get it, we forget it. And so actually she's like, yeah, some of those things that you wanted during your lifetime, you, in the past, you've already got them. So also really acknowledge those. My love that. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, it really, her thing comes down to is this idea of like core competencies. What are the things that are like either you are really good at and no one else is good at, or the things that are really important to you and you're like, I wanna be making time to do that. Like they're important, they bring me joy, they're just like these they're based around my values. What are the things? Because actually when we then start to look at our week and everything we're trying to do, knowing our core competencies and what we're meant to be focusing on and what ideally you want to be making sure we got enough time in the week for, that's what's gonna make you to feel like you have it all in that sense. Hmm. Yeah. So
0: the second part of the book is at work. And <laughs> this is interesting. It's definitely, it mentions self-employed people or yeah. business owners. Like it mentions us, but the book isn't specifically just for business owners. No. Um. But it, I think the first part of this at work part of the book is about It's called The Right Job. And it's about the fact that how we spend our work time is really important. If we work, let's say, like 8 hours a week or 8 hours a day, that's like a very, very big percentage of our life. And it's really important, I think. And she's arguing that that job is the best fit it possibly can be for our core competencies for our life for how we like to spend our time um she said if you choose your life's work well something bewitching can happen through your labors each hour you log can be a source of joy
1: that was actually i underlined it i was literally you had that <gasps> for once for once love it, and We're we've insane. got the same quote <laughs> oh my gosh
0: amazing this is this is momentous um Yeah. And I think, I think this is kind of the dream of people running their own businesses. So I think Mm -hmm. probably people listening to this can relate to the sentiment more than most. But one of the points she makes here is that if you have a job that's really rewarding, that plays into your core competencies, not only are you going to see so much more success if you're really like in an aligned job doing things you're good at, doing things you enjoy doing, like you're going to go so much further, but you're also going to enjoy and have more energy for the rest of your life, which I Mm -hmm. thought was a really interesting point. I can totally relate to some of my time in like the corporate world where I would go to work, I would do the best job I could. I'd work really hard. And by the end of the day, I had nothing left because it was so not (laughs) what I was meant to be doing that like I just was, so exhausted and burned out like on a daily basis from having to do that. Whereas now, like I definitely work hard still and I probably work too much, but I feel like (laughs) I can still, you know, be a person outside of like working. I'm like, I have energy and I'm energized by my work. So it's not always like depleting.
1: Yeah, it just makes me laugh because, yeah, you're right. There's a real difference. And I think as well what I would say now for work is like people that have work that they can switch off from versus people that have work that's like always on their mind. And I think this is one of the things that she does mention at some point. There's this idea of like always to do with housework and like how just like actually sometimes it's not the actual time you're doing it it's like the time and the mental space is taken up and I think that's one of the things as well I think when if you have a job you don't like and then it's just still always on your mind so it's not even as if like when you walk out like if you think about before people just used to like finish work they left there was nothing they could do like until you went back into that Mm -hmm. building whereas now part of the problem is people can be like actually this phone that I use for my life is also connected to the work I do. And if I don't enjoy that and realistically I can get contacted all the time or like I could just check my emails or I could just X, Y, Z, it becomes quite stressful. But uh, what was making me slightly giggle was the whole thing about um, you saying like you probably work too hard. And there is a bit which talks about like, you know, people who are self-employed and this idea that people... Lots of people seem to think like no one works when they run their own job, but it's like, it's very the opposite. <laughs> like, lots mm-hmm. of people do work a lot, but it's not about, ch- like, ch- she says, it's not about changing how many of your 168 hours you work. It's about changing how much control you have over them. And I think that definitely, like, I know personally running my own business has been this big difference. I absolutely probably still work like more than a, an average person does in a nine to five, but mm-hmm. I choose when on like, for 90% of those hours I choose how that works and therefore it works in a way with my life that means I have such a better like happiness all around and so yeah it's not necessarily about changing how many hours you do something but it's actually like changing how they sit and that definitely she talks about that more when she starts to talk about like parenting and like actually how to balance work and parenting because yeah sometimes it's just the way we configure our hours can make a difference
0: Hmm. yeah Yeah, she had another quote that I thought was really good. Maybe you underline this one too. Um, (laughs) She said, I can tell you that the chances are minimal that someone else will create the perfect job for you. (laughs) You will have to invest the hours to design it in an entrepreneurial fashion, whether you're working for someone else or for yourself. Um, And I thought this was a really smart point that kind of gets to the heart of what I think her argument is overall in the whole book, which to me is you have to take responsibility over your own time. You can't be passive because, like, life will just take you by, you know, go right by. You have to think, what do I want to be doing with my time? And then, like, go schedule that in. Mm. And the same is true for your work hours, even if you work for someone else.
1: What I quite liked about that thing about is even if you're going for a job, because I think she spoke as well about, like, like the job description, in what world do you think there's going to be a job description that's perfect for you? And when I think, because particularly like at the beginning of my career, I worked for some like quite small companies. And you know when it's really evident that a role has been shaped around the person that was in it. And then when Mm -hmm. they leave, you, you just can't get someone to do that. Like sometimes they end up having to get two people to do it or someone takes on one role and then like another bit has to go to someone else. It's like, because that person that was in it, they absolutely just owned it. And like, particularly like if companies start to grow or like, they, you know, they take on that extra bit of responsibility, they do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, they've designed that for them. So then why would you think then when they leave and you get a job description, it's not going to be meant for you. So there is this thing about actually, even if you are like, Working, I think there is that idea of like, how do you actually push yourself to be in the right type of uh, work environment that you can shape things to really find it. But look, everyone that listens to this from a job, so everyone's a business, so we don't have to worry about that.
0: Yay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yay! Although some of the folks listening probably still work either a full time or part time yeah. job, so I'm sure there's, I'm sure that if you read this with us, like there's something here, even if you do have a job. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah this is
1: definitely aimed really at I would say people that have a job
0: yeah people who I would say one of my criticisms of the book is that it's definitely aimed for people who are in partnerships have kids two incomes (laughs) that are jobs (laughs) (laughs) it's like kind of like I would say the which is possibly the majority of people I don't know um, so maybe that makes sense. But it did feel to me like there was a lot of the book that probably doesn't relate to everyone.
1: Yeah, um, it, I said to Lauren just before we came on, to me, because that's not me in like so many ways, <laughs> that, that it reminded me very much of like how I felt reading Drop the Ball, um, which was another book we read last year. Um, it's not the mm-hmm. same thing of being like, yeah, that very much of like... People that are in a part um, in a relationship, they've got children, they've both got jobs, um, and yeah, if you don't fit one of those boxes, it not all of it will fit work for you. But I still think there's plenty. Like I still took a lot away from it. It's still very useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, other things about the at work
1: section, I would talk about um, her idea of like, so we can be busy and we can be like, just because we doing things doesn't necessarily mean it's good work, and like just because you're sitting at your desk or whatever, that doesn't mean it's work. And so for her, she classed things as work that were activities that are advancing towards your career and the life you want. And I thought that was like a quite an interesting one because I actually would argue as a business owner, we could, we you could work your whole 168 hours, and there'd still be something else you could do. <laughs> like for that's sure. the that's the truth. Like we have so many opportunities that. Things to do isn't the problem. It's actually been like, what is going to advance my business? What is going to make the difference? What's like, you know, a needle moving activity, for example. And I think that for me was like a thing, like if you really are thinking about it, okay, what should you be focusing on? And those core hours of work. And like like what you said at the beginning, I suppose, like quite interesting. So, you know, our hands up say, one of my things has been to try and reduce the time um, I'm on social media. And part of it is that I would label that as work. Like I'd be like, "Well, I'm doing research. Like I need to go on TikTok to understand the like culture." Yes, there's a degree of that's true. Did I need to be in there for a few months to learn it? Yes. Do I still need to spend that much time on it now? No. And I think it's that sort of thing. Like, are you doing things that can be can be labeled as work, but really is it work? Hmm.
0: Yeah. A really good example of this is there's a lot of talk about meetings and like how much yeah. time we spend, <laughs> we waste in meetings. And I'm sure you having had corporate experience, like I have, like you were just like, Oh my gosh, the the, the days and weeks and months of my life spent in meetings that did not mean anything. Um, she quoted someone who has a really important job with like a humanitarian organization who said, The most useful thing I've ever done in any organization is to train the staff on how to have an efficient meeting. Um, and so I think this is just a really good example of like, sometimes things that you think are work are not like, yes, that's work because it's in your work hours, but it's not actually work in that it's moving you toward your goals. So I I just think it's a really interesting concept to kind of audit the way that you spend your time, even within your work within your business. And say like, which of these activities are concretely moving me toward my goals? And which of them are like more of a waste of time? And so a way (laughs) to like stop the amount of your time, I guess, that you're spending on your business, if you feel like you're working too much, would be to like, keep focused on the stuff that actually moves the difference, maybe even do more of those things, but cut out the the waste.
1: Well, it's pretty much like the 80-20 rule, isn't it? Actually, for most of us, twenty mm-hmm. percent of what we do makes eighty percent of our results, and so there's so many other things that we're just like playing around with, and and it's not actually really making that much difference to your business. And you could cut them out, and it wouldn't really have a detrimental effect.
0: Mm-hmm. Another part of this section of the book that I thought was really interesting is about when you when you're working through your like one hundred. Dreams basically list that she suggests everyone make. If there's something on there that you want to tackle, and let's say, like, you want to by the end of the year, you want to have written a draft of a novel, for example. She really suggests that you go through the process of doing the math of, like, okay, how much time do I think it's Mm -hmm. going to take me to write a novel in hours? Like, do the research, figure out how much that will actually cost you in terms of hours. And then, okay, if it's going to take me a thousand hours. And I want to do it in a year. You like really do the math of breaking it down week by week so that you can actually find ways to carve that time out and like come into it rather than just like having these vague goals with vague deadlines, but not doing anything specific to make it happen.
1: I mean, she's like so sensible. <laughs> Like, like you, and I, literally like I just have had a strategy day client recently that wanted to write a book in a year and I was like oh my gosh we just did like the same thing <laughs> oh my but gosh, it's so funny, funny. How, how many people don't do it like I, and obviously it's because sometimes people feel like they don't know how many hours something's going to take or if you saw how many hours it would take altogether then you just feel like you wouldn't start if that makes sense but um mm-hmm. like, the, the sensible thing to do is actually yeah do what she says. I actually work out how much time someone's going to say. And there's quite a few people, um, like later in the book, you know, people that decide to do like triathlons and like big physical challenges that obviously took, um, time every week in terms of training. And it's like if that's important to you, then yeah, you like it's like the thing about marathon, I suppose, is that in, like lots of people have written about how much training that needs, don't they? So it's quite easy for you to be like, okay. I know it takes six months and I have to do this many hours this week and you you can find those examples. Yeah. Um, Whereas it might be that for your goal, you don't have that sort of like time plan and that's already done by someone else, but you can do it. You can make it yourself. But yeah, I was going to say the only other thing was around getting rid of non-core competency work. So she Mm -hmm. had like ignore it, minimize it, outsource it. And I think like this is nothing new. Like I feel like loads of people have said it, but it's always a good reminder. Um, And I feel like ignore it (laughs) is probably the one I just thought it's like highlight. Because I I do just think (laughs) just like we just need to get to a point where like you just ignore stuff. Like I know, like I get so many emails from stuff that I'm like, who are you? I don't even know who you are. Like the of sales stuff I get, for example, I'm like just ignore that. You just don't need to even think about it. And yeah, really being strict about your time basically. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The final part of this at work section of the book was called the anatomy of a breakthrough. And I, I think the main thing that I took away from this is that while there is some luck in like big things happening in your career or in your business, for example, the main element is like consistent (laughs) daily putting in the hours, like, you know, putting yourself, I don't know, getting better at the thing by just showing up. Like that's kind of what I took away from it is like, there's no real overnight success like there's always the years that you spent putting into it and so t- i actually i love this concept i believe in this concept and i feel like i just want to call that out in the book that like she has a lot of great examples of people who like you know this person who wrote a blog for a couple of years and then like that's how she got her book deal even though like she'd been rejected for a long time, for a I don't know, at least once or twice in the past. So um, being willing to invest your time, which as we know is like a very limited resource, being willing to spend it and work hard on things you care about in the short term, even if nothing is happening right now, knowing yeah. that over time, hard work does pay off.
1: I think, yeah, some of the examples she gave, it was like, yeah, it's not instant gratification. And I think that's obviously the opposite of the world we live in now about actually when you could do something else, how are you deciding like, no, actually, this is what I'm trying to get through. And therefore, like, I, like that breakthrough is a moment of time and I'm working towards that. And even if right now it doesn't feel necessarily like it's happening, I know the only way it's going to happen is if I keep continuing. Hmm. Yeah. At home. Oh, this was Mom. obviously the <laughs> this bit. brought me just like. And now that you, when you spoke about like things being a bit bit older, I was like, oh yeah, makes sense. It's about ten years old. But I think is this a real? Uh, it made me laugh. So this, the the big it was the whole idea of like this new home economics, and a lot of the book was very much looking at like what life would have been like for a woman with kids. In the like, you know, the 60s, let's say, versus like what it is now. And this idea, like she did lots of references of like how much time a woman used to spend on housework versus what she did now. And it was saying, like, how the time to housework has decreased. And on average, most people have had less children, but like the time they spend with children is actually like hasn't decreased. So if you think about in terms of like how much time they spend, with, if you've got less children, you'd think the amount of time you're having to spend with all the tasks devoted to them would decrease, but it hasn't. Um, and one of her big things was around this like idea of like how like um, our standards for housework have gone down, but our mm-hmm. standards for parenting have gone up. As a parent, Lauren, yeah. take it over. <laughs> mm.
0: I don't know. I, cool. Because I think something, I think this is where the, year that the book was published actually has an impact. Okay. This was published in 2011 before social media was like, like, you know, the, the lifestyle marketing was such a thing. Now I feel like the standards of what people are holding themselves to in terms of like what their house looks like and housework uh, and cleanliness, I feel like it's higher than maybe it was when she wrote this book because of yeah, what you're seeing on Instagram and like all the glossy styled curated content that is put in front of us
1: for hours mm. at a time. That's a really day. interesting. I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, like when I think of, so I think like the person in the UK is called Mrs Hinch, I think her name is. And she like was teaching everyone how to clean their house and do everything. And then when I think of like Pinterest for me, and I think I see all these beautiful like spotless houses, <laughs> if I cared a little bit more than, yeah, probably that change in the last 10 years of like seeing lots of people with highly aesthetic houses might change the like, how much time people spend on their housework.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also feel like the parenting pressure, like she's saying, basically, there's like a lot of expectations about how we spend our time with our kids and we spend more time with them now. And we are expected to enroll them in all kinds of activities and like spend a ton, a ton of time with them and, you know, be the chauffeur. And I don't know, I think. I guess my only thing to say here is like <laughs> I feel that pressure uh i my my kid's pretty young still, like he's not even two, so I
1: feel like I don't know we'll see it how change. it plays out, but yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, i mean i def- from like an outside perspective, I definitely feel as if parent parenting senders have. Like, risen in terms of what I think is expected for people to do. And I definitely like see friends where I feel as if like they're trying so hard to do like so many things because I think like that's the way you do it now. I think that's literally not how we were brought up at all. Like, our parents would just be like, go outside, (laughs) play. And like, it's like such a different world. So, um, yeah, from an outside perspective, I could see how I felt like actually what we expect from parents is more like now. But then what she was trying to say is obviously, that then has an impact in terms of, like your home time and how that's split, and like people how they deal with it. So some of the things she to speak about here were like household chores. Um, <laughs> I looked at one mm-hmm. of, the, ti- one of the, the titles. Was don't go, don't do your laundry, and like mm-hmm. the conversations around a laundry mat, which obviously is a British person make me laugh. Like I just all I can see is like that's lots not of films. A thing. No, we do have them, but we don't, I don't call, I don't think we call it that. So when I hear the word, I like only can like reference it as like, I can see like JLo in a laundromat in a video. <laughs> I can't <laughs> think what, That's literally what pops in my head. Oh my gosh. That's so <laughs> funny. What, so what do you call them? I can't think what, I can't remember what it's called now. The words definitely left my head. They do exist. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's a very different scale because Literally, it's very rare that someone doesn't have a washing machine in their house. Whereas I feel like Mm -hmm. it's much more common in America in terms of like- In cities. In cities, yeah. Yeah. So like she, she says in the book how like her first- after so many, then she actually did have a washing machine in her house and she was like, oh, I don't, she didn't want her husband to then think, well, I'm going to do the laundry. And in fact, he ended up doing it. And then when he was away, she would still send it out, which made me laugh like as soon as he left. She was like, they match my socks. But um, but the thing that was really important, I suppose, from this section was this idea of like, there was an opportunity cost. And so this is particularly important now that women are working And so this idea of like, well, actually, if we tallied up all the hours that you were looking after your house, that now when you're like, well, I could go to work and I could earn money in that. Like, and then if now we say, so you have less time at home and therefore you want to spend more time with your parents um, and your children, sorry, and be a good parent, like that time divide of how do I spend my hours at home versus do I spend this doing like cooking the meals and doing the washing and versus am I going to do it doing quality things with my children has really like shifted it. But my best bit still was basically the easiest way to cut down this time in terms of like what you are spending on like housework is to stop caring what your house looks like. And I was like, (laughs) that. Is definitely my motto of life. (laughs) Honestly, when people say like you do so like you do so much, I'm like you've never seen my house. Like it's the bottom of my list, so I'm all for this attitude. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's empowering to just be like, okay, these are the things that I do not care about. She used an example somewhere in the book about how she like for her it is not a priority to have inbox zero. She has like thirty thousand emails, and she's like, whatever, it's working it's not, it's not my thing. Like it's not worth it for me to like invest an hour of my time every day to like tidy up my inbox. So she just doesn't. And so I think this idea that we have to get everything perfect, like perfect inbox zero, perfect house, perfect way of organizing your business, like perfect everything. It's not realistic. And so just giving yourself permission to be like, okay, I focus really hard on this one or two things. And like, the rest is kind of outside my, my sweet spot. One thing she said that I thought was really interesting in this household home economics part of the book was that the only reason we consider household outsourcing expensive is because as a society, we expect women to do these things for us for free. Yeah. Which I thought was so thought-provoking.
1: And what I thought was really interesting was she said that how obviously men do do some housework task. And the number one usually is like mowing the lawn. But That's often the first one that gets outsourced. And I actually mm-hmm. thought, do you know what? I actually can really see that in terms of, in when I think of like someone being like, oh, someone does my garden. Like I can think of way more people that have someone that does their garden than I could have someone that has a cleaner. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. we don't challenge that. But literally if the main household task is just to, mow the lawn why has that been able to be outsourced but cooking every night during the washing up <laughs> cleaning mm-hmm. everything da-la-la-la-la. how come all of that can't be outsourced like that really struck me that I thought oh my gosh I really can see that's true yeah
0: yeah and I think the whole conversation about outsourcing like obviously we have to acknowledge if you're able to outsource all these things like that's a position of privilege that not everyone has so um, I do think this section was maybe a little bit not, I don't know. It
1: wasn't a life, isn't it? Like, it's yeah.
0: So it's not going to relate to everyone. Not everyone is going to have the ability to outsource all of these things, but it's something just to think about. Like if you're, as time goes on, like your income changes that, We should be able to decide how we spend our limited time on this earth. And if your core competency is not, and you don't love cooking or doing laundry or cleaning your house, like, and at some point you have the resources to not have to do that yourself, then that's something to definitely
1: think about doing. But one thing all of us do have a choice around is when we do it and there was definitely like a conversation a bit around like one of the reasons why people really like detest doing their housework is like if they feel like it takes up their whole weekend. And I remember I used to have a house share where you had to do it on a Saturday and there was this like rota and it was like three hours and I had this long list and I was like, that it would be like a Saturday morning you'd be like, I just want to go out and do something. I was like, oh, I have to do it on this Saturday. And so there is this thing about actually when do you fit that in and like what is the, what would give you just feel a better picture? And I think also this, in this section where she was talking about like the home time is also being like, actually if like making like five to eight or six to nine, and then you have to go back to work. Like actually that split shift thing is for some, for many is an actual better working model because at least they still have that precious time when they're at home with their family, rather than being like getting in and being like, you getting late because you just work through or as soon as you get home and then trying to do all the housework tasks. So I think that was still something that I thought that is applicable to everyone, which is actually like ch- work out when in the week, if you're going to do all your, all your chores, how do you manage that?
0: Hmm. I think there was another part in this section about like making the most of downtime, mm-hmm. which is Basically, like when we have busy lives, there's a lot of like in between time, in between activities. If it's like, you know, waiting to pick your kids up or you get to your doctor's appointment early or, you know, whatever it is, there's like a lot of time in the margins that can very easily be wasted. Um, but she suggests like just being conscious of that and like maybe having some, activities that you pull from your list of 100 things that you can do in those moments where like you're commuting or whatever you're doing that is kind of like idle in between tasks time. Um, She talks, she talks about a woman who started writing poems on the subway home from work or like bringing, having books in your car that you can like read to your kids. If you're like sitting, waiting to pick someone up or drop them off. Um, Just like little tasks that somehow bring you joy that you can be conscious enough to make possible for yourself in the time in between.
1: Yeah. So that's actually in part four, full life. And she actually has two big tips, which is like having a list of things that you can do in 30 minutes and having a list of things that you can do in 10. And this idea of like, actually, we get gaps, but so many of us just waste them. And I would argue that this is... What will have drastically changed if we look over the last 10 years? If you have a 10 minute gap or a 30 minute gap, how many people just go on social media? <laughs> and I, I actually think that's probably of all the things like when you said about how this would have changed in 10 years. I think that's the big thing is like those little gaps now, people just go to their phone. People go to their phone. Like you literally don't do anything. And like recently, I've started to like refine like 15, 20 minute, like dance exercise classes on youtube that basically i'm like if i'm putting something in the dinner in the oven and then i'm gonna have to like wait 20 minutes half an hour i just do that whilst i'm waiting for it because i was like i want to mm. get exercise back in my life that's one of my core competencies but i also really enjoy dancing like listening to music so i was like this is like what i'm doing but that has me been intentionally spending one day like trawling through youtube making this playlist so now it, literally i just know like i could just go to that playlist and i'm like here's 15 to 20 minutes, different ones. Go, go, go. Whereas before I probably would have just sat in the kitchen and just be like, Oh, I'm just going to check something. And then just lost the 30 minutes on my phone. So I really Mm -hmm. do believe it's a good idea about at some point being intentional and making some choices. Like you said, actually putting those books in the car, like queuing up some podcast episodes before we do it. Something like having all that stuff ready to go. And that was how I used to get through so many books is I always had a book in my bag. So I'd be on the tube and something would go wrong. And I'd just be like, who cares? I'm just reading. Like, that was how I used to read so much was because I always had a book in my bag. So yeah, pre- being prepared before the moment happens. So when you get that gap, you can use it It's the best of your ability. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, The other thing in full life is she talks about time is too precious for us to be too leisurely about leisure. Um, And she really Mm -hmm. says that we just don't spend enough time thinking about it. And I think this is so true in terms of like, sometimes you're like, if you work and you like work Monday to Friday and you get to the end of the week and then you're just like, oh, what am I going to do now? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And for many, actually, you've got like so much time actually in terms of like the amount of things you could do. But what? are you doing with it? And so really um, starting to think ahead. So she talks about how like with her family, like they'd plan the weekend before what they're going to do next weekend and like actually start to have that foresight so that you are being able to use that free time, whether it is like your mornings before work, your afternoon, your evenings after work or the weekend, like actually how are you using that free time in a better way than just letting it come and then being like, I'm going to watch TV or as we probably do now, I'm just going to sit on social. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She said in this section, the key message of this book is that there's time for anything that matters. It's just not going to happen by accident. So I think my key takeaway from the whole book is really just like taking that time to think about what you want your life to look like, what you want to be spending your time doing. Like it's not going to magically just become that way without planning, without like, time blocking it into your calendar. Um, And I think even in the leisure section, it's like, you know, we can consider TV leisure. We can consider scrolling through your phone leisure, but is that the kind of leisure activity that is actually like fulfilling and meaningful? Mm -hmm. Probably not. But that's the kind of thing that we'll end up doing unless we say like, you know, who are the people that there's a, there's some data in the book about, like long-term friendships and how yeah. actually that's like really good for our health. Like there have been studies that show positive outcomes in like cancer um, prognosis and things like that for folks who have close friendships, close long-time friendships. And so for example, like if that's really important to you and you know, you have friends that you want to keep up with, like don't leave that by chance, like say, okay, who are the people that I need to make sure that I see this month mm go plan it, organize it, get it on the calendar. Like, I don't know. I yeah. guess for me, I find myself, it's very easy for me to just go into passive mode for anything outside of work. <laughs> just be like, whatever. Well, like, so. it's
1: interesting you mentioned about friends because also the thing we didn't talk about was she says you need to make time for your partners as well. Like actually there are two yeah. things that both can fall to the bottom because we do work. We're going to look after our kids. Most of us will not sit in the tip of a house, but actually making time for your partners and making time for your friends are easily the two things to like fall to the bottom. And like, yeah. So I think that was, I'm glad you'd like mentioned that. Cause I think also that involves coordinating with other people. Yeah. Um, and I think that again, that's where like a bit of foresight needs to be like happen and like she does talk about for the friends thing like aligning time so like actually this is a one time where she allows you to multitask because she's like mm. some things you can <laughs> um <clears throat> like some things you can do with someone else but like and she talks about like people that have a phone call while they're like washing the pots or like someone that would be like the two of them go shop do their food shop together or whatever and I was like actually yeah I think we can all think of ways that like you could have a do be doing something else you need to do, but you can still be making time for those friends and like that will help you to fit two things in that need to get done. Um mm-hmm. and then yeah, I can't remember with partners, it was about actually making time for a date night, wasn't it? it As like a thing and like
0: Yeah, and she suggested this thing called like a spouse conference. Oh, which yeah. she suggests just like be the last thing before you go to sleep, like 30 minutes to like check in, chat, like talk about. Important things like you know just connect really, um yeah. I think I kind of underestimated that one because like Kate and I are both home all day together, so we actually do get a lot of time together. But yeah, that's definitely not the truth, the reality for a lot of folks. So glad you said that. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Any last thoughts before we talk about our key takeaways for small business owners?
1: So the one thing we didn't mention, I can't remember what it fits in. It was just like exercise and health and basically being like that should be a block for every single one of us like we should all be making the time to actually like look after our bodies um and again i think that's something that when you get into like the rhythm so she's like a runner um i was like when you get into a rhythm it's really easy to make that part of your life it's really easy for it to fall out again as well so i just thought actually that's something to mention like in terms of when you're thinking of blocks like that's one to try and make sure gets fit in first because it is important for us in the long term. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they talk about how it's much more likely to stick if you pick something you actually enjoy. Which I think it's yes. so smart that you're like doing these dance videos because I know you're a big dancer and yeah, um, yeah.
1: And I really think everyone can find a form of exercise that you like. Do you get what I mean? And I'm a I am a big believer that. It's like we all are different. And I think like I was like, I'm not sporty, I'm not into PE as a like child. So I think lots of people, if you have that attitude, then you just don't later on in life try anything. And I'm like, actually go do things. And now I like do yoga and I do pole dancing and I do tennis and I dance and they're like they're all like completely different forms of exercise. But some of them I do with friends, so I really like them, some them I do by myself. So like yeah, I think if you haven't found your thing yet, you need to just, just try more.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And none of the things you just mentioned are like sit on an elliptical at a gym or not sit, no. like, do the elliptical <laughs> at the gym, um, <laughs> which if that's what you enjoy, do that. But like, there's a lot of other options. <laughs> okay. So this book is definitely not a business book in particular, although I think there's a lot of Things in it that can be useful for small business owners. So why don't we Mm -hmm. each share like one or two key takeaways for the small business owner listening who wants to use their time better?
1: So I'll start off with saying, I think the comment around like we might work more hours, but we get more control is definitely the thing I would like challenge everyone to really think about in terms of just being like, could I change my actual working hours in a way that makes my weekly life, that full life we're trying to create better? And I say that because I think I went for a phase, for example, where I didn't want to work at the weekend because I was like, well, you're not meant to work at the weekend. Then I realized that was just absolutely following the rules that were set up by like corporate work, nine to five environment, rather than what's better for me. And now I'm like, actually, if I get all Wednesday off and all Friday off and I'm doing all these fun things that cause they happen on those days. Isn't that better than I just do a few hours of work on a Saturday when actually I don't have anything else to do anyway, (laughs) rather than Mm -hmm. like forcing myself to do it in the week when there's other things I want to do. And like, so like, as I said, like one of my things in the summer is I play tennis outside. I do that in the day with my friend cause she doesn't work in the day and the courts are always free. And I love being outside in the summer outside. So actually I do a split shift, even though I'm not a, uh, no, I'm not a parent because I like to try and get as much time outside in the sun when I can. Like I live in England and don't get a lot. And I'm much more happier to come back in and like work seven, eight, nine o'clock at night and I've got mm-hmm. out in the daylight hours than work in the hours when the sun shines out. So I think if you're someone who hasn't really, has got that control over your time, um, really think have I just fallen into a bit of a pattern because that's just like how I set my business originally or that's how I used to work before or whatever, or have I truly thought what is the best way for me to put the hours I work across my week
0: Mm -hmm. I love that when I first graduated from college and I lived in New York I was interning unpaid at the time and I got a job at a cafe like an organic cafe to pay the bills and I remember like obviously my schedule was not a 9 to 5 it was a lot of weekends it was a lot of like weird timing and so I remember taking the subway at like times where I don't know it wasn't like the commute time and I would go to the gym at like non-business hours and I just always remember being like this is so magical to just get to be doing whatever <laughs> I want to be doing right now instead of like being in an office but then, of course, I went to spend like almost 10 years in an office where I couldn't do that kind of thing in the middle of the day. But I will always like treasure the fact that I have like full freedom over my time. And I, and yeah, yeah I could probably do better at like take a Wednesday off and work on Saturday instead. But I love that point. My takeaway for folks would be to do the list of 100 dreams. Um, and this is writing down 100 things you want to do in your life. It could be like places you want to go, things you want to accomplish, you know, like Cheryl said, like the bookcase behind you, like whatever it is that you want, write it down and then like pick a couple things to start with and actually start making them happen by like asking yourself how much time it will take. Find the time in your calendar, book it in. But that's, I don't know, I feel like that's something that took me a little bit too long to figure out. And I'm still kind of figuring out is like, if there are things you want... It's not going to happen without you making it happen. So we all have agency. And I think that would be my hope is, and I want to do this activity too. Like I, I need to do it as much as anyone else. So I, I love this takeaway for myself and for all of us.
1: Yeah, I need to do it. I, I feel like I did. Uh, there's another book would made do a similar thing like a few years ago but I literally have no idea where that list has gone so it's a good reminder for me as well yeah yeah
0: well maybe we'll share our lists yeah oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> well cool I think this was a good one definitely like not 100% relevant but lots of good takeaways I think and always worth thinking about how we spend our time
1: And I would argue that literally everyone that runs a business says, I don't have enough time. So it is relevant in the sense of the whole reminder is do not ever say that sentence. (laughs) Time yourself and properly look at how you're using your time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what are we doing next?
1: We are doing essentialisms. And I'm really hoping you can remember the guy's surname. I know it's Greg. (laughs) Greg McKeown.
0: I don't know McEwen. if that's how you say it, but okay. Greg McEwen. The So Essentialism is the Disciplined Pursuit of Less.
1: Uh, <laughs> me alone Hard. are both scared for this book.
0: <laughs> yeah, we both read it and we both know it's going to be like a bit of a, we're going to get scolded a little bit, um, but we need it. But this, this is a very, very, very good, very powerful book. What is it about? Yeah.
1: Uh, I can't actually remember. I just... <laughs>
0: It is about, I mean, I wouldn't say this is like in the publisher's weekly description, but my key takeaway from this book is like the more different directions you are moving in, the way less progress you make. So if we can narrow our focus as much as possible, like we're going to be able to grow and see results much faster. If you know anything about me and my work, you know, this is like literally the opposite of what I do. I have like three businesses, podcasts, private, pod, like... I'm
1: not an essentialist in many ways. So the the reason why I was like, I don't know what the definition is, is because in my head, all I think of is like, don't be a multi-hyphenate, don't be multi-passionate or a multi-potentialite. That's literally what in my head it means. And yeah, I'm very much the same as Lauren's. Just like, oh, let me just like have a book club and have a podcast and have a business and have this separate brand and just do this. And um, yeah, like I've just published like, become an author in a book like that's not related to the business in any way shape or form because you know why not so yeah I I think both of us um, it would be a good reminder for us to both reread it and look at it and I think actually a lot of uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people listen that will be similar a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle with trying to do less so mm-hmm. but it's worth it if you can manage to do it and I do truly believe that so yeah I'm excited to reread. Yeah, I'm
0: excited too. So, yay. We'll talk to you soon for that one. But thank you everyone for listening. We would love to hear your thoughts if you read this one. Um, yes. And if, especially if you're going to do the time tracking, like if you learned anything or were really surprised by your results, I'd love to hear. I've hmm. never done it because I'm a little afraid. But um, if you do it, let me know. <laughs> let, let us know. Terrell, thank you so much. As always, this was super fun.
1: No, thank you. I really, really enjoy this one. And yes, definitely if anyone does it, please like share us, tag them, whatever, because I would really love to see the like insights people get from timing themselves. Yeah, so good.
0: All right. Talk to you next time. Okay. So there you have our 168 Hours Book Club episode. Did you enjoy it? What were your takeaways? Are you going to do time tracking? Let us know. DM us on Instagram. We would love to chat. I'm at Lauren Tilden. That's L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-L-D-E-N. And Shirelle is at Shirelle Griffith. C-H-A-R-E-L-L-E-G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H. You can find all of the details from this podcast episode on the show notes page at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 167. Now, as you heard, we announced our book for next month's edition of Making Good Book Club, and that book is Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McKeown. As you heard in the episode, Sherelle and I are both a bit nervous about reading this one. We've both read it before, as we know we're going to be called out. So if you're ready for that one, be sure to follow along. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are three ways that you can give back to making good. First, I'd be honored if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy this episode, you can send them the link. The link for this episode is makinggoodpodcast.com slash 167. And finally, I would love for you to take a screenshot in your podcast player while you're listening to the episode and tag me and Sherelle on Instagram. Again, I'm at Lauren Tilden and she is at Sherelle Griffith. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.